Welcome to the Mad Max Minute. We've been through the desert on a horse with no name. It felt good to watch Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 45, which begins with Max getting sand blown in his face. And it ends with Max probably wasting more water than he can spare. Your opener made me so happy. (laughs) You set me up so much on Wednesday. I really did. How could I not? (laughs) We start off today, like I said, with Max tossing the mascot head away from him, getting sand blown all in his face, and he turns back to look at the horse because Max may not know much about his current situation, but he knows that there was a little pot of water hanging out in front of the horse's face just out of the horse's reach. I mean, honestly, it was impossible for this horse to drink this water. So Max is very hopeful that he'll be able to get his hands on that water. And so he's unsteadily working his way towards the front of the horse. And I can imagine after being tied to a horse for what could have been a day, a day and a half, however long, he's probably not as sure on his feet as he could be. No, not at all. I'm not sure that Max really had the sense of urgency that I feel he should have had Mm -hmm. to get to that water. He may not be on the verge of death yet, but he's certainly on the verge of unconsciousness. Really? I think so. I think he's in a bad way. Although, maybe I should take that back. It's At most, it's been a day and a half. And yes, he also recently had another episode of Dehydration. But, I mean, a day and a half isn't that bad. Right. But he also hasn't had anything to eat in that day and a half. I mean, he's probably more parched than deadly thirsty. He's probably also very hungry. Yeah. And the stiffness in his legs. I think he's mustering about as much speed as he can achieve. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I will rescind my criticism. Plus, he's not on level ground. He's on the side of a dune. And so he's got to carefully pick his way over to the horse. And, oh, how disappointed he is when he looks and he sees that that little pot of water has spilled over and has just poured all of its contents out into the dirt. Completely useless. Yes. That must be heartbreaking to Max. As we mentioned on Wednesday, making lots of assumptions, I'm going with the horse has traveled 100 miles. Okay. But, like we said on Wednesday, not necessarily in a straight line. I'm willing to bet that instead of hauling off in a straight line, the horse probably stuck to the little valleys between the large dunes. And yes. so he snaked around quite a bit. Yes. So Max is a smart guy. He knows this. He knows that he has absolutely no idea where he is. Relative to Bartertown that he knows has resources, but he also knows is an unsafe place for him. Mm-hmm. He may know of other places around that would have resources for him to survive on, but he doesn't know where he is, so he doesn't know where they are. Yeah, he doesn't have his bearings about him. Right. So that little glass full of water is everything to him. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, he's denied that. And as he's looking at that glass, being oh so disappointed, the sand starts to shift beneath his feet and the horse begins to sink into the sand. Because of course. Mm -hmm. Why not? Max is already in a deadly position. The horse sinking into the sand doesn't really put him in a worse situation, actually. He's in the middle of nowhere with no transportation or water anyways. Honestly, at this point, you might as well throw in quicksand. Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> What's interesting about this instance of quicksand is that it is an example of what is called dry quicksand. Typically, quicksand forms in the presence of water. It's a situation where there is so much water in the sediment that the dirt doesn't hold on to itself. It kind of floats freely in a soup and it becomes a non-Newtonian fluid. Like if you've ever mixed cornstarch in with water, it's that sort of thing where it's technically a fluid, but when you have rapid pressure changes, it behaves more like a solid. So you could be walking along, you step into quicksand and you're going to fall into it because there's a rapid pressure change. And the thing about quicksand is, wet quicksand specifically, is that it's not the quicksand that'll kill you. It's the environment around the quicksand that'll do that. Like if you're walking along a beach and you fall into a pot of quicksand, okay, it's going to be very disoriented, I'm sure, but you're not going to sink more than halfway up your body because the quicksand is more dense than your own body. Right. You're going to go under because you're more dense than water, but you're not going to go completely under because sand is more dense than you. Right. You fall in the middle mm -hmm. between those two ingredients, mm -hmm. and that's why you fall in, but not all the way. Yeah. People die because of quicksand because there's no one there to help them get out. Now, people who talk about quicksand will tell you that it's just a matter of getting up on top of the quicksand and getting out. But if you are trying to just pull your leg out of the quicksand, it's not going to work because those quick, sharp movements are going to cause the water to move out of the way. And then there's just dirt packing in around you. And so you wiggle, you wiggle a little bit. Yes. It pushes the dirt out of the way and then it allows the water to flow in. And the idea is that you lean back and more or less make like you're going to float on your back. And if you can slowly work your lower body out of the quicksand you can shimmy your way across the top more or less floating to the edge it's going to take a long time though okay if, if you're extricating yourself from quicksand and you don't have any sort of help it's going to take a long time right which could be a problem say you're on the beach you fall in some quicksand at low tide and then it becomes high tide you're up against a time crunch mm -hmm. where you could drown. Turns out one of the ways that rescuers help people get out of quicksand is they have a more or less water injector. They plunge it into the quicksand and they saturate the quicksand with more water to make it less viscous so that it behaves more like a liquid. Viscosity is how much something acts like a liquid and the less viscous something is, the more runny it is, the more viscous it is, the more solid it is. Okay. I've been thinking about, we just recently watched the video, who are those Australian guys with the gravity tower? What are their names? You're thinking of the YouTube page, How Ridiculous. It's three guys out by Perth that like yes. to drop things onto other things from a big old tower. Yes. They recently did an episode. Was it recent or did we just watch it recently? It's actually recent. It's only from about two days ago as we're recording this. Okay. So early May. So they made a kiddie pool full of oobleck. Oobleck is a non-Newtonian fluid. It's, it's made with water, water and cornstarch, corn which I did not know. I've, I've known about the existence of oobleck and, and how it behaves for a while, but I thought oobleck was something that you purchase as an item, like you buy pots of slime kind of a thing, like you buy a pot of oobleck. No, they just made it with a lot, a lot, a lot of cornstarch. And they did a little experiment where two of the guys on their knees put both of their hands in the pool and they did a race who could get to their feet first, pulling mm -hmm. their hands out of the pool of oobleck. And 
it was a little surreal to watch because it just looks like a pot of goo when in reality they could not pull their hands out. Yeah, it wasn't until they slowed down and started pulling their hands out slowly that they were able to get out. Yes. So I wonder, and I'm almost curious enough to actually like make some oobleck and try, if they had wiggled their fingers, pushing the cornstarch elements out of the way, allowing the watery elements to come in closer, would they have been able to get out faster? I don't know. I'm very Maybe. curious. I think if one of them had just gone in a very slow, even motion, I feel like that would have helped them get out faster, but... Yeah, that's an entirely different thing. We keep talking about wet quicksand. Yes. That's not what we're looking at. We're looking at dry quicksand. So dry quicksand is an interesting phenomenon because instead of water breaking down the connection that sand particles have between themselves that keep them together, it's air that does it. Now, we've seen videos on YouTube before of someone who takes a bunch of pipes, puts them underneath a pile of sand, and then you pump air in under the sand and it makes the sand bubbly and behave like a liquid they do it with grain silos to make things flow easier in a desert situation there's wind blowing all of the time and so if wind sweeps down through a valley between two dunes kicks up a bunch of sand aerates it really fine particles all that sand can drop back down into a pile of itself and there could just be giant spots where it's just sand and air. It's not sand and sand, it's sand and air. And so something like a giant horse sits down on it and just sinks right in. Okay. So we see that a bit of a, I don't think it qualifies as a sandstorm, but there's lots of sand blowing in the air. Mm -hmm. It is very windy at the moment. Is this phenomenon something that happens like immediately? Did the horse sink right now because the wind picked up and was kicking stuff around? Or is this something that accumulates over time? I'm willing to bet there was a more or less air pocket sitting underneath a layer of sand. It was almost like a sinkhole situation Mm -hmm. where the horse laid down and the ground was mostly solid because the sand particles were sort of locked together but underneath those sand particles was probably an aerated section of sand and then as the wind picked up it blew the sand away from that top layer eventually exposing the horse to a layer of sand that isn't quite as connected to each other and then it started sinking and as the horse is sinking down into the sand you can see air blowing up past the horse so that's how you can tell that this is a dry quicksand situation because the horse is falling into the sand much like a horse would fall into a pool of water because wild hearts can't be broken no they cannot so this sudden instance of the horse sinking into the sand causes max to freak out a little bit he falls backwards and the horse just sinks lower and max is thrashing around frantically trying to get untangled from the ropes that tie him to the horse the horse is quickly sinking into the ground and max is just crawling on his hands and knees up the side of the dune to get away from this situation. He does not want to sink into the desert. No, I can imagine how frantic he was. I'm a little tiny bit surprised that Miller didn't do a thing where Max was actually starting to get pulled in. Mm -hmm. 
before he was able to get himself untangled. Add a little bit of tension to the moment. Yeah. Not that it, it had plenty of tension. Yeah. It didn't need more added, but it just would have been a little extra thing. The problem with dry quicksand is that you're not going to stop sinking until you get past the aerated sand. One of the reasons you don't completely sink in wet quicksand is because wet quicksand is made up of a combination of water and dirt and people are not as dense as water and dirt well people are more dense than air and dirt yeah because more or less everything is more dense than air <laughs> typically <laughs> typically Most speaking things. so if you fall into dry quicksand you just schwump right down into it now something as big as a horse it took a little while for it to schwump down into it but schwumping is going to happen yes and schwumping is bad yes it is a lot of this minute are shot reverse shots of max scrambling up the side of this dune or at least it feels like a lot of this minute is just Max scrambling. It does feel like a long time. And I can definitely feel his sense of urgency seems actually too mild a term, but his panic at trying to get out of the way of this phenomena that just came out of nowhere with no warning. And mm -hmm. the horse is just gone. Yeah. And that so easily could have been Max. And that would be a very anticlimactic end to Max's story. Swallowed up by quicksand in the middle of the desert. Yep. Not great. <laughs> so Max, oh, having escaped the dry quicksand, crawls his way to the top of this dune, probably because he wants to get to a high point and get his bearings. Look around, see where he's at. Yes. But as he nears the top of that dune, he's not alone. Oh my gosh. The tension that we were just feeling watching the horse sink down and Max trying to scramble out of the way, jumping straight from that into being surprised by Sally Ann was just, it was a lot. It's a Sally Ann jump scare. Yes, it is. She's pulling a Wes. <laughs> yes. Yes, she so is. And Max actually does recoil a little bit at being surprised by Sally Ann. It's a little funny. It is. Like, you have to laugh it off after it happens. Because it is a thing that is really coming out of nowhere. There is no reason that Sally Ann should have been able to catch up to Max in this horse, even if the horse was going around in circles. Oh my gosh, no. This is completely implausible. And if the horse was coming from, we're just going to say the horse was coming from the east heading west, okay? Sally comes from the north, heading south. Yeah, like the so, directions don't match up. <laughs> no, no. That actually supports the theory that the horse was going in circles or zigzag or cutting back the way it had come. That's the only way I think you can explain it. Yes. <laughs> and maybe Sally knew a trick on how to find somebody in the desert who's wandering aimlessly. Mm -hmm. Maybe she knows a trick. Perhaps if you go in a zigzag pattern, you're more likely to find somebody who is wandering aimlessly. I don't know. If that was her plan, it worked for her. She came across the path of Max and the horse with no name. So it worked. Mm -hmm. But the very fact that she was able to catch up is completely implausible. It's very much like, and I showed you this clip before we recorded this episode, <laughs> yeah. it's very much like the part from The Emperor's New Groove where Cusco and Pacha get back to Yzma's laboratory 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a laboratory. And they're looking for this potion to turn Kuzco back into a human. And out of nowhere, Yzma and Krunk show up. So Pacha and Kuzco are like, how are you even here? Like, you, we saw you fall off a cliff. And Yzma has no explanation for him. She turns back to Kronk and Kronk actually pulls out a map. Says, yeah, by all means, we really shouldn't be here. <laughs> this makes no sense whatsoever. And I feel like that's kind of what we're going with here. By all accounts, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I really love that clip that you showed because it perfectly illustrated the point of the horse versus the monkey. But it also illustrates a point about Master Blaster. Okay. Because Yzma and Kronk have a very similar relationship. Literally, she is riding in a backpack. Yes. That he is carrying. That she is. And she treats him in a similar way that Master treated Blaster. Blaster and Kronk are both the muscle, the transportation, the intimidation factor mm -hmm. to a much smarter, weaker Master. So, very similar relationship, and I'm a little ashamed of us that we did not draw that comparison before now. Oh, all things in good time. Because <laughs> that's such a good movie. Hmm. Speaking of Patrick Warburton, ah. I was thinking how good it would have been to have Patrick Warburton as like a blaster type person. But by the time Beyond Thunderdome came out, Patrick Warburton was still about a year off from starting to show up in TV shows. So <laughs> Warburton is about mm, 10 years younger than Mel Gibson. Yeah, he didn't really get going until the 90s, really, right? More or less. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. So this is the second time that Sally Ann has saved Max with the first being her throwing all of the stuff off the back of the wagon. Mm -hmm. She's definitely the MVM, most valuable monkey in this movie. Well, competition's not that stiff. <laughs> Arguably, she could be named MVP, most valuable pet. Or most valuable primate would probably work too. <laughs> of the entire series. You know, we loved Dog very, very much. Dog was amazing. Toby was fine. Fine. Yep. Never did anything to save anybody's life. I mean, he found Kundalini's hand, but this is true. That was about it. Dog probably had the most emotional connection with Max, and there were times where he definitely above average dog intelligence assisted Max. Mm -hmm. But Sally Ann just above and beyond on the going out of her way to save Max's life. I think she definitely wins the MVP. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I don't think that there's really an animal companion in Fury Road, is there? I don't think so. Yeah. So Sally Ann is it. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll take it. Yeah. So Sally Ann shows up around the 32nd mark. And the second half of this minute is just Max catching his breath, crawling over to Sally Ann, taking the flask, and then taking a drink. Mm, taking a drink. Well, pouring sure. the water into his mouth. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the right word for it. He just spills it all over his face. <laughs> yeah. He should know better. Like... He should be conserving the water as much as he can. He should be taking sips. Drinking it slowly? I understand he's probably really tired, probably really thirsty. He's probably not thinking with 
a mindset that he's going to have to make this water last. He's probably just thinking, I need water right now. But as someone who's probably been living out in desert-like conditions for the last 15, 20 years, I feel like at that point he should be well-practiced in the act of conservatively drinking water. Like, I can see it both ways. Yeah, I agree. I would have expected Max to have learned more lessons along the way. Never mind the last 15 years that we don't know what he's been up to. But even since Road Warrior, we saw him behave in ways that showed he had experience with being out in the wilderness and fending for himself, conserving his resources, things like that. Yeah. And I would have expected that continuing on over the next 15 years, he would have learned to control himself and his emotions and his natural reactions in emergency situations where he wouldn't go overboard like he's doing now. Yeah. Which is a reaction you and I would probably have. We're super duper thirsty. Oh my goodness, there's some water. And we go a little out of control and we're a little sloppy about it. That's not Max. Max is supposed to be better than that. Yeah, but how many times do you think Max was tied up, put on a horse, and then sent out into the desert? This is probably a new experience for him. Mm, I don't know. I mean, maybe not this exact experience, but in a country that is a good portion desert or wasteland, I imagine he spent quite a bit of time in environments similar to this. Possibly. He seems to prefer it. He knows where civilization is. He knows where trees and fresh water and more lush environments are. He's lived in this country his whole life. He knows where he could go, but he chooses to be out in the wasteland. Mm-hmm. That kind of wraps up for this week, though. This was a very... Dry week? Very dry week, yes. <laughs> And as much as I hate to say it, next week's going to be more of the same. In fact, Max is going to spend a majority of next week completely out of the game. So that'll be an interesting one to talk about. In fact, this next Monday, there will be a little water, a lot of walking. Maybe some new faces are going to show up towards the uh, middle end of the week. And by the time we get to next Friday, we will be on the edge of a complete completely different place unlike anywhere else we've seen in this series excellent between now and next week though there is still our patreon show anarchy road that you can join us for you go to patreon.com slash mad throw about three bucks at us and you can listen to our coverage of hook five minutes at a time this week we are on week 15 captain hook is continuing his plot to win over jack and maggie to mixed success Peter is going to be disappointed in the culinary offerings that Neverland has to offer. And Rufio is going to take the opportunity to offer Peter some criticism. It's not going to be constructive, but it's sure going to be entertaining. (laughs) The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. And our outro music is We Don't Need Another Hero by MilitiaVox of MilitiaVox.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for Mad Max Minute, and join our Facebook listener group, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com where you can check out our Tee Public storefront by clicking the store link join our patreon by clicking the support link or make a one-time donation by clicking the donate link thank you for joining us for minute 45 of beyond thunderdome see you next time Over